All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, uh, executive pastor here. I want to welcome you as well. Hey, let's uh, let's just say that this past week I uh, was on one of the old roads down outside of town and uh, looked down and realized that I was about to run out of gas and, you know, spotted a little gas station there and pulled in to get some gas and was surprised when there was only one option on the gas tank and it happened to be the highest octane best gas that I had ever seen. And only one option. And then you can imagine my surprise if I looked up and then the price there was 0.00. So so hold on. I got the best gas in anywhere in northwest Arkansas that I have ever experienced. And it's free? You You kidding me? So I don't know what you would do, but I would definitely be skeptical. And would probably go into the, the place, talk to the attendant, and say, hey, something's broken out there, you know, the price isn't there. And would really be surprised when she would say, or he would say, you know, uh, uh, well, it's, uh, it is free. So what do you mean it's free? What's, and I'm looking for the gimmick, you know, what's, what, what, what is it? Well, you got to do something? What, what, what's going on here? And said, no, no, really. The, the owner of this gas station is just, just really, really wealthy and really hates that gas prices are high and has made this gas station for the purpose of giving away free gas. <laughs> okay, whatever. So I'm still looking, still looking for the gimmick. And then I'm like, well, if that was true, then why is there not a, a line of cars out here just waiting? And what do they say? Well, the truth is this, we've been here for a while, but not many people know about it. Well, how are, how are people not knowing about it? I guess nobody tells. A lot of people don't even believe that it's really true. Well, do you have to have some kind of membership or something? No, you don't have to have that. And I'm thinking through, yeah, but if we did tell everybody, I mean, I guess there would be a line that's really long. And then, and then they kind of cut me off and say, no, 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 this, this guy is like willing to build other locations and to do this kind of all over northwest Arkansas to make sure that there's plenty for everybody, to be available for everybody. Just, just, just nobody really knows about it. So I don't know what you, I'd walk out to my car and say, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least try this out. I mean, free, free gas. And so I would, you know, put the gas in the car. But the whole time I'm thinking, man, there's probably water in this gas. There's something broken with it. There's no way this, this deal is this good. So on the drive home, I'm probably thinking it's, it's going to break. And then when my car drives better and works great, now what am I going to do? I know this place over here that's got free gas. It's the best gas I've ever had. I got this knowledge that it's possible. Now, of course, I'm going to go down there and find the time and look at when my gas tank gets about a quarter. I'm going to make sure I'm down there, make sure I fill it up. Am I going to tell my wife, though? I mean, really, should I? Yeah, I want to tell her because what? That, our, our budgets are connected and she's, you know, I want to make sure that if we're going to do this, we're going to take full advantage of it. So I'm going to tell her. Am I going to tell my kids? You know. We got a bunch of teenagers. We got a fleet of cars. I'm gonna make sure everybody that's driving a car is going down to this place and getting the free gas. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start telling everybody. Am I gonna tell my my neighbors? Am I, I'm gonna tell tell the people I work with. Or should, maybe 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 I should keep that knowledge from them. You know, because we don't we don't want too many people to find out about it. Because then we might we might have a rush. Or would I, would, I, would I find a way in conversation when we're out having dinner? Would I, would I find a way to maybe, to maybe bring it up? 
hey, August, guess what I found? <laughs> down there, there's, there's this free gas down there. You can go get it, and there's enough of it for everybody. And if, we, if a bunch of people get it, they're going to put in a new location, maybe even closer to us. And, and would, would I do that, or would I, would I keep it to myself? I think I'd start telling folks. Would I have to know them very well to tell them? Would I, would I tell them in a first encounter? Would I be like, you know, passing by somebody at the gas station and feel the need with this incredible news I have to just like whip in and say, hey, don't pay $4 a gallon. There's this place down here you can go to. First encounter, first time I met somebody. Would I do that? I think I, think I might. Because I do it with other things, you know. I find a great restaurant. You won't hear about it. There is this brunch place in Tulsa. I don't know if I've talked about it. But I've shamed people that have gone to Tulsa and not had brunch there. Like, what's wrong with you? You should go have brunch here. It's that good. And when they come back and they say they didn't, I'm like, what's wrong? You got a problem? You should go do that. I feel no shame in doing that to somebody because I know that brunch place is that good. And everybody got to eat breakfast, whether you like it or not. I love breakfast, so I get it. Everybody needs gas. Or at least I assume that most people have at least one car in the family and they need some gas. And so I got the good news. There's free gas. And I, I, I just want to tell people. Why is it that when we talk about something like that, it feels so easy and so crystal clear? But when we take the shift that we're going to make this morning to talking about the good news that we have in Jesus and the way that we like to, to you know, stick it in the back po- pocket and keep it quiet, the way it feels like we don't want to bring that up at the dinner table, we don't want to bring that up at work. We're sure not going to stop on the side of the road and go talk to somebody about it. That it seems like it falls into a, a totally, uh, total other category. And we're talking about this, this reconstruction. I think it's one of the big pieces that we've got to figure out what we're going to do with it. Because the reality is, uh, these different truths that we've been working through, if we embrace them wholly, if the, if the smoke clears from all the clutter around it, and we really do believe that God is good... And that he loves us. That sin, our sin, has broken the world. And that Jesus is the only answer. And we have called on him. We have been rescued by him, by his death and resurrection. And now we fall into what we were talking about last week. There's these, these two different categories then. There's, there's folks who have embraced that. And there are those who haven't heard about it or haven't embraced it yet. To that first group, we were looking in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2. I just want to read it again for us because there's a critical part right in the middle of it. You know, it said, but you, and this is, these are those who have, who have called on, on Jesus, who have received his mercy, to those, to you, are a chosen race, a family, a royal priesthood with a purpose, a holy nation, a, a culture around this incredible Jesus in his, in his way. A people for his own possession. You are your your family, right? The people of God. That, so there's this this place that we're going, this this purpose, that you may proclaim. And proclaim is a really interesting word to me because it definitely feels like, oh man, I get like some joy in that, uh, some zeal, some enthusiasm. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna not just say it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it known. Herald it was a, was another word that's used here. Proclaim the excellencies. So listen to this description of this thing that that we the family that we get to proclaim the excellencies of Him Jesus who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. 
the redeemed, the, the rescued, the, dare I say, saved, uh, saved from our sin, from ourselves, from the darkness, into the marvelous, beautiful light, the excellencies of him who called us. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. We have this origin story that we've been shown mercy and grace and this incredible uh, change from darkness into life, into light by his goodness. And we get to proclaim it, the excellencies. And I know uh, that sounds like, man, that's, that's just, that's just really simple, Mark. It's, it's not really that simple. Because kind of with all of these different topics, it's, no, because then it starts to get real complicated. Because, you know, having these kind of conversations where we're talking about this, it's awkward. It's especially awkward in this day where uh, it feels like I can get into a fight by saying I like dark chocolate ice cream. And, or like yesterday, I was with a buddy. We we're talking about which pizza place was the best. Felt like we were about to come to blows. It, it just, everything's kind of at fever pitch. And so it kind of feels that way. And especially with this one, because there's some true history that's it's worth us saying, hey, and calling out. That, yeah, that's, that's true. Because it's dangerous when we just are ignorant about what the past has done and why it's a really cloudy topic and why it's really divisive. Um, as an example, uh, 1999, I uh, made my first uh, trip overseas with a group of college students on an international cultural exchange. And we went to India, and we were going to these, these different campuses and, and learning about culture and sharing about our culture. And somebody, I guess, I think the leader of the group, he made these T-shirts that we all wore, which now this is one of the reasons I got scar, you know, kind of some scars from T-shirts on trips. Like, uh, it kind of weeks me out a little bit. But we all had these T-shirts, man, and it said International Cultural Exchange. And, and on the back, it had this big map of India. Just one slight error. Uh, if you know anything about India and Pakistan, the, the northwest region of India, in, in that border there, uh, it's debated on, on who owns that. And so they've got bombs pointed at each other all the time. And it's really, in fact, the last, last couple of years, it's gotten even more intense. Well, the T-shirts that we had on, yeah, they didn't have that region in them. So we're in India wearing a T-shirt that basically is saying, hey, you guys don't own that region of the country. So we walk on the first campus, and we sit down, and the first conversation, guy's like, are y'all fools? What, what are you trying to do? I mean, we really like, had to immediately get up, walk out, and take these T-shirts off and turn them inside out because we were afraid we were going to get hurt. Uh, similar but different story that has nothing to do with today but was really hilarious. Uh, about that same time, I had just started to lead Bible studies on a college campus on a, at a private Christian school. And one morning, I was going to one of these Bible studies, and I reached in the drawer. I'm going to blame Terry. It's got to be her fault. I uh, reached in a drawer, pulled out a T-shirt that I don't know where it came from. Uh, front was pretty much blank. It just had a little pirate in the corner, and the, the back had a pirate on it. It said something about Captain Morgan. I, I thought that that, this is just how oblivious I was. I really thought that that maybe was a ride at the theme park or something. It kind of looked like that kind of shirt. had no idea that was a brand of rum. So I go into this college campus, and I sit down with this kid, and we're, we're walk, walking through this passage, and he's acting weird the whole time. And we start walking back to the car, and he says, Mark, do you know who Captain Morgan is? And I said, I really don't. Kind of strange thing. Found this shirt in the drawer. We walked out this morning. He said, man, if I had that shirt on, I would get kicked out of school. And you're supposed to be the minister guy. 
And he explained it to me. Oh, okay. So I just kind of real quickly walked back to my car and turned that shirt inside out. It's just, it's just good to know. It's just good to know what history there is behind it. And when we come to this topic, there is a reality that in the name of Jesus, a lot of really horrible things have been done. Can, can we just say it? Um, under the threat of physical harm, uh, this, this story about Jesus has been told and, and forced people have been, been asked to force to, to convert. Uh, you know, physical harm, money has been paid. I have, I have friends that I have met that have actually been offered money to say they've converted uh, to faith in Jesus. I've seen it where people were like, yeah, believe, and we got this sandwich. To hungry people, yeah, believe, and we'll give you this, this sandwich. Horrible, horrible things. And so there is a, a, really, uh, a really horrible history and there are some reasons why, man, we, we got to walk real, real softly and real carefully. But the thing that I fear sometimes when we do that is that we might just throw the whole thing out and miss the point, kind of with all these topics. In, uh, in Romans chapter 10, if we're going to talk about deconstruction and reconstruction, Paul does something really cool in talking about this topic, and he, he does deconstructed. He kind of takes the things out, starts looking at the component parts, and starts putting it back together. And I think if we'll, if we'll do that with him this morning, maybe we can pick out what are those key things. I mean, what are the things that really are, are one click too far the wrong way that we need to, to bring back in balance? Because the idea that this is bad news is just not true. This is, this is, this is good news. So what do you do with good news, and what should you not do with good news? Let, uh, let me read it for you real quick. Uh, Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This, this statement uh, is actually from the prophet Joel. He's quoting it. Uh, he, he sandwiches this whole passage, uh, the, the section that I've pulled out here, from uh, a quote from Joel, and then also he ends it with a quote from Isaiah, two, two prophets who also felt the responsibility, the privilege of talking and telling the words in the, in the message of God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the questions. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him? If they've never heard about him, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the, are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So what I want to do is just take this, this line by line and talk about what these different things mean. And it feels a, a, a bit like this. You know, uh, last year, our, one of, somebody in our family, nobody has owned up to it yet, but somebody slammed the door in the microwave too hard and broke the latch, and my microwave wouldn't shut. And it wasn't me because I kind of don't like the microwave. Something about the, the I'm, I worry, so I don't really use the microwave, but the rest of the family does. So I was just fine with having a latch that didn't work and the door not being able to shut because I really don't care. But finally, everybody was, again, nobody owning up to it, but everybody wants the microwave. So start to do some research. And to replace that door cost about as much as replacing the whole microwave. So then I'm like, well, oh, so I'm going to have to replace the whole microwave now? I think we would just live with a microwave that doesn't work. But one day, I'm like, all right, they're all still wanting a microwave. So I take the door off and I deconstruct it. Now, I'm telling you, usually when I do that, I can't put it back together. And so all kinds of problems happen. We just got parts laying everywhere. And I end up having to buy a new microwave anyway. But this day, I break it down and I find out there's this one little piece of plastic. Now, why on 
an expensive microwave, there's one little piece of plastic holding the whole thing together, I do not understand. But there's one little piece of plastic that's connected to this little spring, and that's how the little latch works. And all I had to do was fix that little piece of plastic. And I went to the Lowe's store, and I got the best super glue they had. Now, I don't know if you've had any success using super glue, but I never have in my whole life. And so I was not very optimistic that this was going to work. But I got the super glue, glued on the little plastic piece, and y'all, it still works. My door and my microwave shuts. Now, the point of the story is, man, if we we can't throw out the whole microwave, maybe there is just this one little piece of plastic that needs replaced. Maybe there's, maybe there's, so we talk about the idea of, of sharing our faith, of being involved in proclamation of this, this good news. Maybe, maybe we don't throw the whole thing out. Maybe there's just a few pieces that Paul might bring out that, hey, the, this needs to be looked at differently. And so the first thing he says is, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Y'all, that's huge. Everyone. This is available to everyone. That's not the secret club. That's not the whatever. This, it's available to all, all that would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, there's this promise that this is the way that this good, loving God responds to those who call on him, and it's available to everyone. Now, thinking back about uh, the gas uh, station illustration, I think, I think one of the things that happens with good news I share that fully believing, like I said a minute ago, that, that you need gas. And so I tell you the good news, and if you decide that you want to keep paying for gas, keep paying for gas. But I'm going to tell you that there's free gas down the road. You don't want to eat at the breakfast place in Tulsa, don't. But I'm still going to tell you there's a good place to eat breakfast in Tulsa. And I, and I say the good news, and I've got no shame, and... I mean, if you're mad, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be mad that I'm trying to help you out and give you some good news. We walk into those conversations assuming that this is news that somebody would want. I assume that you want to know that. When we walk into this conversation about Jesus, for some reason, I don't know that we, we assume that this is something that people would want to hear. But in reality, it's something that we know they desperately need to hear. And I'll tell you, in my experience, and also as we've talked about these different truths, people know and feel the brokenness, the darkness, the, the separation. My, my eight-year-old Jack, we've been having this conversation lately because, y'all, he, he just wants to talk about it a lot. And he's trying to describe what he feels about his sinfulness. And he doesn't use all the words exactly right, but he's, he's saying it. And as I start to listen to him, and he's, he's starting to feel that sinfulness and that separation. And he's starting to put together that Jesus is the answer. And he knows it. When I've traveled to other places, when I've been in other conversations, it, I, the whole world, people get it. Like, like Charlie was saying the other day, it's not something that we really have to do a lot of talking about in truth. Because we know it. We know our own, own sinfulness. We know that it's a problem. And so we walk into those conversations proclaiming this good news in everyone. It's available to all, and all need it. But then he asked the question, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Like they're aware that, that he exists, that this offer is on the table, and have some confidence that if I call on him, he would be there to respond to me, that there's, there's some truth in it. How can they call on him unless they believe that he exists, unless they know he's there? Maybe think about the Ghostbusters, right? 
Who are you going to call? You got strange things, things happening in your neighborhood? You got ghosts? Who are you going to call? You get ghosts in your house, who are you going to call? Well, there's not a lot of options, right? There's the Ghostbusters. I guess there's a new version of the Ghostbusters and there's a second group, but, but I mean, there's not a lot of competition in the Ghostbusting industry. There, there's the Ghostbusters. But if you didn't know that the Ghostbusters exist, if you didn't know, you wouldn't call them. Somehow you got to know that they exist and that they've had some success busting ghosts so that you have confidence when you have the ghost that you're going to call the one option on the table that can bust ghosts up. All right? Well, in the same way, unless, unless, you know that they, unless you know Jesus exists and that this call is available, then what would you respond? And also, um, this next question, how can they believe in him that they've never, uh, if they've never heard about him? If they've never heard, how can they believe that he exists? If, they, if, they've, never, if they've never heard, if nobody's ever, ever told them. And this, this never heard part, I think, is, is really important because... We, we make some assumptions about the place that we live. You know, we, we know there are parts of the world, and I can, I can give you more numbers on this. I mean, lots of parts of the world where, honestly, like, people really have never heard the name of Jesus. But we live in Arkansas, and we, we live in a place that we assume the people around us have heard that message, and they have either decided to respond to it or deny it. But the thing that I've found in a lot of conversations, and even that campus I was talking about a minute ago that was a private Christian school where people were coming from Christian homes and other Christian schools, as I started to have conversations in that place, you know what I found out? Most people that have heard about Jesus haven't really heard Jesus is the only answer, that faith in him, that trust in him alone. Most of the time, the message has been, if you'll do some behavior modifications and you'll clean yourself up enough, whether they heard it or whether they just took it in that way, they made it about their righteousness, making themselves clean, not an all-out calling and dependence upon Jesus to be the answer. And that message, that beautiful message, that marvelous light They just haven't heard yet. So a a clear message. They need to hear that message, that that Jesus exists, that that offer is available. And how can they, how can we hear about him unless someone, someone tells them? There's there's a person involved. And one of the things that's just true is that uh, the most powerful way that I can talk about who Jesus is is to tell you my experience with him, my, my real-life experience, the way that I've watched my life in darkness and seen it move into this marvelous light, the way that I feel his presence day in and day out, the way I've, I've experienced it. You know, one of the statements back in, in 1 Peter that we were looking at last week that I, I didn't get a chance to share, but it has always been a big one for me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, he's talking about what it looks like to, to grow into maturity in Jesus. And he says, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if this has happened in your life, then this is one of the things that you do. If you've tasted it and you've seen it, if you've experienced it, then this is the one of the things that happens, one of those steps. You, 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 you talk about it, if indeed you have tasted and seen. And when you just tell your story, this is my experience, yeah, that is crazy powerful. It's crazy powerful if, if the person can look across and, uh, and can tell from your story and from the look in your eyes that there's life there that you are actually smoking what you're selling, that you're not just trying to, to sell this, this thing, of, this bag of goods that you don't really believe in, but you feel like you're supposed to talk about it. 
you know, that's, that's one of those pieces that feels like it's one click too far when, uh, when we try to make this some kind of task that we're responsible for, a mission that we're going to do. And so we're going to go tag people and, and, and create this process where we've got data and we're doing this thing. It was never intended to be that. This is about people. Jesus loves people. You, me, people, and people. That's the reason if you go through this passage, look at all the people involved, everyone. And then he says, how can they call? How can they believe? How can they believe? They heard. They hear. They tell. They. Then he goes on to say, unless someone tells them. Everyone is, it's available to everyone, but someone has to tell them. And then that next piece, but how will anyone go tell them? Anyone. How will anyone tell them? But someone has to go, and everyone needs to hear. It's about people. How will anyone go tell them without being sent? And this goes back to what we were talking about, about the, the family of God, that there is, there's a financial piece of that. I mean, if you're going to go a long ways, if there's going to be a lot of time and effort and energy involved, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require some finances. But I think we immediately jump to that because it's also just, hey, we're, we're the family. We're encouraging one another. We're helping one another. We've got a, a story together, and we're, we're all going to our different places and walking this out and talking about it. We're, we're being sent. And, and another thing, it's uh, a lot of times we make it about the task instead of about people. And we also make it a lot of times about being right. We've got to be We've got to be right instead of just being loving and talking about the truth of this. It's not, it's not about, about being right. You know, the thing about good news is that uh, it doesn't need help. It doesn't need to be debated. You tell good news is just, is just good news. It, stand, it stands alone. <laughs> it can be received or denied, but good news doesn't need a debate. It doesn't need anybody to, to be right. That's the reason it goes on to say, this, this quote from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, I don't know how beautiful your feet are. I don't think feet are necessarily the beautiful, most beautiful part of the body. I got ugly, skinny feet. But here, it points to that the feet that bring good news are beautiful. You know, this thing that we get to share is good news. And it means something to the people who receive it. When somebody brings good news to you, it means something. The person that brought this good news to you, if you sit in this room this morning as a person who has gone from darkness to the light, who has been rescued, who has understood that God is good and loves us, that sin broke us, and that Jesus is the answer, and you've called on the name of the Lord and been saved, <laughs> the someone, whoever the someone was, I bet you'd say they got pretty beautiful feet. And you, we, we get to be that for the people that are around us. We get to take this good news. It's not about being right. It's about being loving. It's not about tasks. It's about people. Another question I've heard a lot, and I've been in a lot of, of conversations actually here recently where people are, are wondering, where does, where does this fit? Where does this fit into my life? And one question is, how long do I, do I wait before I, I talk about him? I mean, uh, is it something you talk about in a first conversation? Is it, is it something, you know, you, you build a relationship and then two years later you, you share? Or when, when, does it, when does it work? 
And my answer is always, well, how does good news work in other areas of your life? You got something good. How long do you wait? If you believe this is true, how long does it take before you, you identify with it? Jesus means this much to me. You know, there are some, some things that mean a lot to me. You're not going to hang out with me for very long before I'm going to make some comment or talk about my wife or I'll talk about my kids. There's a love, but I can't not talk about them. There's a few sports that were involved, things that I like that, you know, you hang out with me, the things I like, I'm going to talk about it pretty quick. You're not going to be around me very long. If you are around me a long time and I haven't talked about those things, you should ask yourself, huh, does Mark really love me? Because <laughs> he hasn't opened himself very much to me. He hasn't revealed very much about what's, what he's passionate about, what's on his heart. If we go very long and I haven't talked to you about Jesus... And then one day you find out, oh, man, this guy really believes in Jesus, but he's, he's held it back all this time. He believes that there's darkness and, and light, that there's death and, and eternal life. He's believed, but he's kept it silent. He's kept that good news in his back pocket. Is that loving? If you found that out two years after we've gotten to know each other, that I'm just now beginning to say, hey, guess what? My only hope is Jesus. If I was you, I would probably say, hmm, his only hope must not be Jesus because he, he didn't feel like it, it was that important to talk about until two years into the conversation. I mean, if this is who we are, this is what we talk about. This is what we proclaim. This is what you can't shut us up from talking about. Not in a, a right way or wrong way, just you can't, you can't shut me up because I, I've been loved. I've experienced it. Um, a few years ago, I, uh, I was reading up a biography on General William Booth. I don't know if y'all know who that is. They called him the general because he was the kind of the guy that started the Salvation Army. And, uh, and back in the day, evidently, Salvation Army was, I mean, they would, they would just go out and, and share the gospel in, in some really abrasive ways. Uh, that biography talked about how they would show up at the, at the building, they would change clothes, and they would go out because they would get spat on and food thrown at them, and they would just ruin it, so then they would come back and have to change clothes back to go back for the rest of their day. I know Salvation Army is a, a really different thing today. Um, but this General William Booth, he, uh, he wrote about having had this dream one time. I think he was on a train. Uh, I'll, I'll probably butcher it, but it meant a lot to me because he kind of painted a picture that I think I see clearly in the scriptures. He, uh, he talked about this angry ocean, and there were all these people out in this angry ocean, and they were all fighting to stay above water. And he talked about how, how some were fighting and keeping their head above, and some were sinking. And, um, and then he, he, he said there was this rock in the middle, and there was a platform on the rock. And, and what would happen is, man, people would find the rock. And the rock is, of course, this, this is the answer in Jesus. And and they would get on this, this rock and on this platform. And for a little bit, they would remember that there are other people out there in the ocean like they were in the ocean. And they would care. But then before long, they'd kind of get busy on the rock, doing the things you do on the rock, talking with the other people on the rock, uh, you know, falling in love with, you know, on the rock, getting married on the rock, doing all kinds of things on the rock, fishing on the rock. They're doing all kinds of other things. Uh, in fact, I've seen a picture of this guy, like a people, you know, like a guy lifting weights, all kinds of things on, on, on the rock. And it says that every once in a while, the people on the rock would look over to the mainland, talking about heaven, and say, hey, we're over here. We're stranded on this rock. Would you come save us from the rock? And the way that the, 
what he wrote down ended. He said, uh, and all the time, Jesus was out in the angry ocean, calling out to the people on the rock, why don't you come help me save more? Why don't you come help me? And we know that Jesus said, he, he, in fact, we sing about it, he, he would leave the 99 and he would go after the one. He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is, is in the middle of the angry ocean and he wants his people to come with him to do this thing that he's doing. That, that picture and that story has always has been convicting to me. And about, I mean, not a month after I, I read that, I went to a, a church service where a guy was talking and he shared that story. But he shared it very differently than I just shared it. He said it this way. He said, last night I had a dream and there was an angry ocean. And he went through the whole thing word for word <laughs> that I knew William Booth had done years and years and years ago. And it broke my heart. And I went up to the guy and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not your story. You didn't have that dream. You just lied in front of all these people. That was, that was William Booth. What, what are you doing? He said, oh, no, no. Oh, yeah. I think William Booth had the same story. Had, you know, man. And I walked out disheartened. But you know what? With all of this discussion, that guy made a mistake. And people make mistakes. That guy lied. That's, that's a bad thing. But the reality that this is good news and that it needs to be proclaimed is true. So we can throw out all the rest of it, but let's not throw out the core. Y'all, we've got something incredible that we're experiencing and that we need to talk about. And the people out there, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your home, they need to hear it. This marvelous light. So let's proclaim it. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I pray that we would. I, I know that even the thought of that is, uh, can bring up some, some fear. And I, I'm just asking you that you would remove all of that. And uh, you would give us a fresh vision of this incredible thing that we have in you, a deeper understanding of it, maybe a, a deeper uh, experience of it, so that it just bubbles out of us. And then would you put us around people? Would you put us around people that are asking those questions? Would you put us around people that, that we could talk about our experience of this marvelous light? Father, would this, would this good news be something that's just on the, on the tip of our tongues? And that we would be the someone that for everyone would get to proclaim it so that no one would be outside of knowing that anyone who calls in the name of the Lord can be saved. Amen.